You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we're reconvening with someone who used to host this show, the one, the only, the great Joe DeLeon, <laughs> who had his boots on the deck out there in Mobile, Alabama, covering the Senior Bowl. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's good to be back home, but always a fun week being out there in Mobile. Second time I've been there, and I got to say, it is great being around football for a week, getting to see everything. There's a lot of really promising players that I think need some recognition, so excited to talk about, talk about it with you guys. How much Southern food did you have? Not enough. I was trapped in the <laughs> hotel room for, for way too much of it, but I did uh, Uber Eats plenty of, of barbecue and, and chicken with any opportunity I had. <laughs> That's excellent. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I've got another one of those just gray, rainy days, so it's a good day to be inside and talking to you guys. Absolutely. So, Joe, let's start with just some 30,000-foot view questions about the Reese's Senior Bowl. Yeah. What were your general impressions, just having boots on the deck, seeing these guys in person, practice? Because, again, for those listening, we mostly, when we talk about the Senior Bowl, everyone thinks about the game. The game is secondary to me. It's always about those practices and what happens and how those three practices transpire. So what were your general impressions? Yeah, in terms of the game, I left way before the, the game was even played. <laughs> yeah, I so I don't think a, a lot of people really take stock in the performances. It's it's a nice way to cap off the week. It's nice to see you know guys get those awards for top performer during the game. But what we get from it is what happens in these one-on-one -on -one drills, like you're talking about these team drills, seven-on-seven. -seven. How do these guys perform? Who catches our eye? I will say the two like major takeaways, and it's it's very reminiscent of how the the class is structured. The offensive and defensive line across the board were the most talented groups there. That was where I kept drawing my attention to, and I kept finding myself on all three days trying really hard to go to the receiver and DB one on ones and walk over there and pay attention to that. But as things transpired, I kept drifting back over to the O-line, D-line one-on-ones when that was going on because there was just so many great highlight plays that were happening. And I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of those players, a lot of interior linemen that, that the giant, Giants need that performed really well at the Senior Bowl. The other takeaway, though, that I had is the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl were very underwhelming. Um, one guy did well in Jake Hayner, but separate from that, I think there was very up and down week from, from the group of quarterbacks, which is we're not really used to, you know, we're used to there at least being somebody competitive, somebody good that's in the top round conversation. But we, we really don't have anyone near close to that this year. That's Jake yeah. Hayner from Fresno State. Let's try to say the yeah, schools that's... just because people are new to the draft. <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I, I kind of got the same impression about the quarterbacks, especially just watching the game that a lot of the guys, they were really, like you said, just underwhelming. I think the best part of the whole the whole game part of it was uh, Tom Pelissero and Tyson Bajan's dad arm wrestling and <laughs> <laughs> Pelissero not having to use his whole body to lose. <laughs> that was, I think, kind of the 
quarterback highlight of the weekend. Yeah, there was not a lot of good throws and, and <laughs> good quarterback play from the week. And I think that, you know, very, uh, very well put that that was probably the most exciting outcome of anything with a, a you know, quarterback storyline related. So let's start, Joe, with the offensive line. You mentioned how dominant they were, and we know the New York Giants could always use more offensive linemen and more competition. So who really stuck out to you down there in Mobile? Yeah, in terms of the the offensive line, <clears throat> the guys that that I think had the best weeks were those interior guys, and specifically John Michael Schmitz is somebody who uh, I was really keen on, and I thought that he had one of the cleanest weeks. One of the things that I've said about him in terms of his evaluation, is that he's not a guy who's going to get too high or too low. He's not somebody who's going to have highlight plays, uh, you know, crazy reps during these one-on-ones, but he was so hard to beat. He was so hard to get around. A uh, big fan of what he's done, and I think that maybe he's pushed himself into that top center conversation or at least top three at the center position in this class. Some of the other interior guys, <clears throat> Nick, you commented on on this one uh, you know, video that I posted of Steve Avila who – Coming into the season, I was really high on him as a center, and I think that, or I thought that he deserved more recognition. He plays mostly guard this year, but he showed that he could do both things. And I think for you know the giant circumstance, you draft a guy like Avila somewhere late day two, and he can play either spot. He can play either guard or center, depending on how things shape out uh, during training camp. Separate from that, I think Osiris Torrance had a really nice week. Big, strong kid from Florida. Uh, some of the tackles that that looked really good. I think Jalen Duncan from Maryland showed a lot of really positive signs as a left tackle. That doesn't really benefit the Giants in this circumstance. And then Matt Bergeron from Syracuse, who I believe can play either spot, left or right tackle, maybe even could play inside, which he did during the week, uh, is another name to pay attention to because he had that one rep that everyone was was talking about with Derek Hall where you know, is it a bad rep because he's throwing the guy into the lap of the quarterback? Is it a hold? But other than that one rep, I think that he had a really, really nice, strong week. Chris, I wanted to ask you, have you watched Steve Avila's tape yet or John Michael Schmitz? Um, I, only in passing right now. I, I haven't gotten a chance to really drill down and study those guys yet. Um, what I saw from Schmitz during the clips I saw of practice and during the game yeah, I really like that guy. I I loved watching him and Osiris Torrance together at as a guard center combination. Mm -hmm. They looked I don't want to say they looked unbeatable <laughs> in the middle, but <laughs> they gave pretty much everyone who lined up across from them headaches. Like they looked like they had been teammates for 3 years already. Just completely solid players. In terms of Schmitz, man, let's be honest. With the New York Giants, they have a lot of holes. So I don't know if the Giants would look to select a player like that at the back end of the first round. But at the same time, finding a true center, somebody who can reach you know, three techniques and four eye techniques and cover ground, climb up to the second level, have those type of movement skills, that would benefit this offense so drastically in terms of what they can do running the football, let alone how solid he is as a pass protector. So it's good to see that there are some solid offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen specifically, that the New York Giants will at least have the opportunity at looking at. One more player I wanted to mention on the interior offensive line that we haven't covered yet is Cody Mock, the kid from mm. North Dakota State. I believe he was a tackle in college, a little bit of an older prospect. How is he down there? Because this guy fits that like Ben Barch. Remember when Ben Barch was like drinking like smoothies <laughs> with like Cheetos and Gatorade yeah. and stuff? This guy has that kind of personality in the sense he has no teeth, long red hair, looks like an offensive lineman. What were your impressions of Mock? 
Yeah, I actually went up and spoke to him because, you know, the FCS football ties, me playing FCS. I, I went and tracked down as many of the FCS guys as, as possible during the uh, the media availability for these guys. And he's a really smart, nice kid. Uh, I, I found it kind of funny where he fits exactly what you would expect. I asked him if, if football didn't exist, what would you be playing? <laughs> like, what would, or what would you be doing rather for work? And he said, I'd be on my, my family's farm and I'd be working. And he gives those, <laughs> those types of vibes. And honestly, that's kind of what you want with, with offensive linemen. You know, it's such, such an old school mentality of like, you know, just big, strong kid. I, I will say his week was a little bit up and down. I, I do think that there were some, you know, Twitter accounts that were, were hyping him up as if he was unstoppable the whole week. And I, I don't think that that was the case. He showed a lot of really positive signs a lot of really nice flexibility and athleticism because this is a former tight end playing offensive line. You you can see that he is a great, great athlete, but I think technically speaking, there is refinement that needs to be done. But I, I absolutely think that he is he is a prospect somewhere on day two, mid to late day two is is one to pay attention to because, again, as you mentioned, played tackle in college, can probably bump in and will bump into guard. Even I think he was snapping a little bit as well. So he's somebody who's got that – um, scheme or not scheme, uh, position versatility to play multiple spots. Yeah, uh, during the game they had mock play. I I think all five positions at one point or another. Yeah. I paid attention when he was at center. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, he's not a mauling center, but he's got those tackle feet. He's got that that former tight end athleticism. He can climb to the second level. He can <clears throat> work off that guard center double team. I really like him. I don't know that he can stay at offensive tackle in the NFL because he has 32 inch arms. Yeah. Like that's, I know a lot of offensive linemen out there, uh, Duke Mannyweather, our friend of big blue view there. He doesn't give a damn how long your arms are, <laughs> but a lot of teams do. So I, I definitely think Cody's going to be going inside to either guard or center. I have him down in my nose as Justin Pugh 2.0. <laughs> so it's good to hear some some nice praise for Cody Mock, but I also appreciate Joe that you're keeping it realistic. It wasn't fully a, a perfect week, which I do yep. feel like a lot of there are Twitter accounts out there that try to kind of paint that type of picture. But I do want to transition the conversation to the wide receiver position, just like the interior offensive line, just like so many position groups with the New York Giants. The Giants need these guys, even though they've invested a seventy-two million dollar contract. Kenny Galladay spent a first-round pick on Kadarius Tony. Neither are factors with the team right now. So, what were your impressions, Joe, of the wide receivers down in Mobile? Yeah, this for the twenty twenty-three class. First of all, this receiver group is not as good as we've had in the past. Uh, there's going to be a huge drop-off in the number of receivers that were selected in the first round over the past few years. And, and last year was some believed a down year for receiver because of the you know the Jamar Chases, the the Justin mm. Jefferson type classes that we've had before that. And that really, really translated to the senior bowl because there's not a, a number one receiver that was participating in Mobile. There's not even like a number two really type of a guy. But what we have is a lot of back end roster receivers and a lot of guys that I think are going to contribute on special teams be really solid, you know, tertiary, you know, number four receiver type guys that just fill out with really, really good depth. The guys that for me, I think, stood out the most, the one who I thought had the best week was Michael Wilson from Stanford. Uh, really, really nice route runner. And, and he's a you know big, strong kid from Stanford. The way that he was able to position himself to quickly cut and change direction, I see him as like a guy who could play really well on the boundary. Um, just really, really well-refined player. 
he's somebody who, like I'm saying here with these, you know, these fourth or third receivers on your roster, he's not going to have a hundred yards a game. He's not going to turn into that guy, but he could be somebody who picks up key first downs when you need him to, who, who ends up being open when everything else is, is closed down, has like 50 yards every so often. And he's just a nice player to fill out the roster. Separate from him, Jaden Reed from Michigan State was cooking guys all week, as well as Tank Dell from uh, from Houston. But the thing with Jaden Reed, and a lot of people talk about during these one-on-one drills, it benefits smaller, shiftier guys like that. It really benefits those guys to perform well. And it's why you know we, we have guys like Kadarius Toney who have massive stock rises from those performances in those one-on-one drills. But I will give Jaden Reed credit that he was open by like 15 yards on a lot of the reps that he had. And if you're beating guys that badly, that's a really positive sign in my eyes. So he's just like a nice, you know, speedy, quick receiver that, uh, you know, I think could fill out the the back end of, of most, most rosters. I think you brought up Tank Dell's name. And Tank Dell seemed like that's another player who, when I watched him, when I watched this film, I was like, I don't know how um, – the, the skills are translatable, but you're playing in like a wide open spread attack against lesser competition, right? Yeah. But the adjective I used watching Tank Dell was this guy's just fun, right? Like incredibly explosive. I felt like he was really smart when he ran his routes. He was consistently running back to tune and, and getting into phase uh, within zone coverage, just like kind of splitting defenders and stuff like that. If he was running like a comeback over the middle of the field or towards the sideline. But how was he in team drills down there? Because one-on-ones are set up for him. And you know what? They're, they're right. cool and they're fun to watch. But cornerbacks are so just in such a disadvantageous position. So how was he in team drills? Tank Dell, yeah, that I th- is. I think he and Jaden Reed both, that was the other reason why I thought that they both had good weeks where a lot of that stuff did show up in the team drills where they were making a lot of long, big catches and they were creating separation and getting open against some of these DBs. So I do believe that they both had a you know really really nice performances from not only those one on one reps which every, everyone clamors over everyone gets excited over um, but seeing that translate to the team drills it, it it definitely did show up. Yeah, I think the only the only concern I would have with Tank Dell is his size. You know, five eight like one hundred and sixty five pounds or so. Yeah, you know, I am I'm getting a lot more flexible when it comes to. Uh, player size, not only because just year over year, the smaller guys actually wind up getting hurt a little bit less often than a lot of some of the bigger guys within mm-hmm. position groups, that is. But also we're seeing NFL teams just get better at using individual player skill sets. Like I remember we, we both worried about Devonta Smith and his size and how he would hold up and be able to deal with NFL cornerbacks. And that has not been an issue for him. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people were concerned over Kyler Murray's height, and that has not been an issue for him. So I personally don't have a whole lot of concerns regarding height, but I do know a lot of Giants fans have never gotten over Plaxico Burris, and they do not want to talk about a wide receiver unless he is <laughs> six foot five. So let's actually transition to those really big wide receivers. Joe, were there any really big wide receivers down there that you feel like could be maybe even later round picks who can come in and step in and play a role with the New York Giants? Yeah, for me, Michael Wilson was was the best one out of uh, out of any of those bigger guys. Um, I, I will say that you know there were positive reps from guys like Trey Palmer and and I, I feel like there's two guys in particular that were bigger that I think were a little bit overhyped to an extent just from the the full practices and that being uh, uh Mingo from Old Miss and then Andre Iosovis from Princeton 
I just a lot of wasted steps on their routes. You know, I, I feel like when, when you've got these taller, longer receivers, you need to be more technically refined. Otherwise, you know, you're easily wasting space. You're easily wasting time on your route. And that's the, that one rep that I tweeted out where Eosovis was going against uh, Rush from South Carolina. And, you know, he wastes all this time getting up on the route and then he ends up getting beat and Rush ends up picking off the ball on that rep. So, um, separate from that, I think uh, Trey Palmer and and Michael Wilson were the were the two bigger receivers that had had nice weeks. I got a chance to kind of dig into Mingo, and yeah, he is a guy you want to like. He's there's there are areas of his game that are that catch your eye. Like mm-hmm. when the ball comes his way, he's got pretty sure hands. He can he can get open. He is a great blocker. Like he is he blocks yeah. like a tight end sometimes, but then. You look at him, he just, you're expecting A.J. Brown, and that's just not there. <laughs> the the other then, thing, too, with Mingo, oh, though, is just I, I, there were a lot of reps where he got away with, with OPI, too. Like, there were a lot of times where he's <laughs> yeah. shoving dudes, trying to get off the route, and it's like, okay, you got open because you shoved somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Iosovas, I... I'm definitely going to have to track down his tape and dig into him because we have mm. heard that uh, he has caught Joe Shane's eye. So... Just for Nick and I, that's a, that's a reason we got we we should probably pay attention to this kid. He does reportedly run like a four two nine forty. So that and a guy who is six foot three, two weight in at I think two twelve at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, that's at least worth checking out, even if it is as a late round pick. You know, if they double back on the position. Chris, do you think Joe Shane fell in full bloom love with the player? <laughs> oh, I certainly hope not. I, n- I never want to hear those words come out of Joe Shane's mouth. <laughs> all right, Joe, before we transition to the defense, do you want to speak at all on the running back position or the tight end position? We know Musgrave was down there, the kid from, uh, I believe, Oregon State who had mm-hmm. a really good week. What were your opinions on the running backs and the tight ends? Yeah, I don't. I wasn't necessarily head over heels over any of the tight ends. Uh, I do think that Musgrave from Oregon State that you mentioned did, sh- you know, flash a little bit. I, I got to say, out of any of the guys in both those position groups, Tyje Spears from Tulane, the running back from Tulane, had one of the best weeks out of any prospect there. And I know that the Giants might not necessarily be in the market for a running back, um, but Spears to me just. On a day-to-day basis, he had a different highlight play, a different play where you were like, oh, holy crap, how did he just do that? There's the one rep where he sneaks under a guy while running a route against a linebacker, and then he makes a you know a fantastic grab, which just shows you know his elusiveness. The one other thing that's tricky with running backs at the Senior Bowl is it's mostly thud, so nobody's getting tackled and brought to the ground. So it's it can be difficult to really see what's totally translatable, but he was just so fluid and and his vision was so great almost like a punt returner the way that he was reading the field in front of him on screens uh on a lot of his his, his rushing plays I'm really high on Tajay Spears and admittedly I hadn't even watched him yet and he wasn't even on, on my short list of running backs to watch for this class and I'm adding him on there because I need to see how good this kid can be and I think he might have been one of the you know the biggest biggest winners out of anybody uh, definitely make a point of watching his tape. It is fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I tweeted this out before the game started. I don't do prospect pro comps all that often, but Ty J Spears, I could not help but see David Wilson coming out of Virginia tech. When I watched his tape, he's got, they're the exact same size, 
5'8", 5'9", about 204, 205. Mm -hmm. They've got the same kind of twitch, same kind of agility, the same kind of breakaway speed. I would not be at all surprised if Spears comes out of the scouting combine having run in the four threes and jumping 40 inches. He is, he is explosive. Oh yeah. Love to see small schools like that. He's from Tulane, by the way. Love to see kids from small schools really kind of show up to a senior bowl event and ball out. And hopefully he made himself some money. But before we get to the defense, Joe, Chris, mm. we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All righty, Joe, let's get into the defensive side of the football. What were your primary takeaways at the top of the show? You said the defensive line was dominant. So who were some of the top prospects on the defensive line down in Mobile? Yeah, one guy who really opened my eyes on the first day was Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. And he was a bit misused and a little banged up this year at Wisconsin. So I, I didn't get to fully see what he was capable of until he showed up at the Senior Bowl and he seemingly back to full health. He was mostly playing nose uh, at Wisconsin. And I think that he had a lot more twitchiness and explosiveness to play as a three tech at the next level. And they asked him to do that mostly during the week where they were deploying him as a, as a three tech. And he really, really shined, uh, especially going up in these in these one on one drills and in the team drills. He was blowing guys up. His his hand speed was just so aggressive and violent. He was so hard to block for a lot of guys. As well as uh, you know another guy that was on his team, Ade Odeboire from Northwestern. I was paying attention to him earlier in the week, and I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to this kid and, and see how he, he pans out. And as the week progressed, he got better and better and was, again, another guy who just was so hard to block. There was the one highlight play he had going up against Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame, who's supposed to be one of the better interior linemen in the class. And he blew him up and walked him back all the way, like 15 yards, uh, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. That to me is really, really promising. A kid who primarily played edge at Northwestern and is bumping inside to the defensive tackle and is putting on a little bit of extra weight to play that position. I think that he shows that that transition is really going to work. Uh, separate from the interior guys, though, I think that, you know, we had some positives from, from Will McDonald who is making a transition to play uh, less of a uh, interior rusher because of the three, three stack that they run at Iowa state. He's playing mostly like a five tech. He's going to be a little bit wider in the NFL because he's so th he's a lot thinner and more wiry. His weight looks great. So I think that Will McDonald was, was definitely one of the, the bigger winners of the edge players that were there. 
You brought up yeah. the tip from from Northwestern. That dude yeah. almost has eleven inch hands, which is crazy, crazy. But then you look at Dewan Jones, who practiced one time. <laughs> he just showed up. Was like, I'm six foot eight, three hundred seventy five pounds. He's the offensive tackle from Ohio State. Dude has eleven and three eighth inch hands with almost a ninety inch wingspan. That is just unreal. But sorry, I just so wanted the, to kind of get that out there. What did you say? No, you also create a character numbers, <laughs> right? The, but the funny thing about Dewan Jones though is that he dipped and didn't tell anyone. So he had that like you know strong good day, and he, he weighed in, and everyone's losing their mind. And that first day has a couple of good reps to to go with the size, and then the next day for media availability, he's not there, and he's not at his podium for everyone to talk to. And the media people are like, "We can't find him. We don't know where he is." He just left, which is hilarious <laughs> that that's how he handled it, but he uh, had to have told Jim Nagy. I'm imagining, but uh, the rumor is that he didn't tell anyone that I, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the media person that was, that was uh, surprised that I heard from a couple of people that he, he just dipped. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> but let's, uh, that we'll is- get, <laughs> we'll get back <laughs> to the defense. You brought up, yeah. we brought up Will McDonald. Were there any other like true edge rushers that you think would fit into what Wink Martindale would do? Now McDonald's interesting. Cause like you said, he's yeah. like 240 pounds. He, he doesn't necessarily have the experience as that stand-up edge rusher taking on pulling blockers and things of that nature, playing in that three-three-five type of defense up there in uh, Iowa State. But what would be uh, his transition to Wink Martindale's system? And are there any other edge rushers that you think the Giants could add maybe late day two, early day three, who could interest Big Blue? Yeah, I, I think that uh, Andre Carter from army is really intriguing just because of how long he is. And there were, he's, he was very inconsistent admittedly. And you can see that playing at army did not stunt, but hold him back a little bit. And I I wonder how his development is going to be. There's a lot of potential for him because he is very twitchy. He's very explosive. His best reps were some of the best of the week, but his lows were a little bit troubling, uh, from, from time to time. But I, I think that Andre Carter is, Somebody who at one point was considered to be a first round pick. And I don't know if that that hype is is necessarily going to translate now that the season is done, which could benefit the Giants to draft him somewhere on day two, uh, purely for a guy that is, you know, fully upside. But I, I do think that Andre Carter is is somebody to pay attention to who had a had had some bright spots during the week. Uh what about your uh, Notre Dame guy, Isaiah Foskey? Uh Foskey's another guy who, again, great length and had a bit of an up and down week. Some of the reps that he had, again, his best reps were were really shining. And then at the same time, you know, he's, he's getting thrown into the ground by Dewan Jones on day one, which was, you know, not a very good look, but he as well is somebody who I think was considered to be a first round pick had not as great of a year as some people would have hoped he would have had. And his, his senior bowl performance played into that expectation of, you know, good player, but has not really reached his full potential yet. I think that he as well is somebody who probably going to fall to somewhere early day two. Now let's talk about the linebackers because the New York Giants and linebackers, historically, <laughs> they're they're aligned, right? You have the great Carl Banks, you got Harry Carson, you have Lawrence Taylor, you want to throw his name in there. But recently, it hasn't even been anywhere near that. So Joe, is there any remedies of players who were at the Senior Bowl who could come into this defense and start at linebacker or at least just compete because it's it's a gross situation right now. Yeah, I think without a doubt, the best linebacker far and away was Diane Henley from Washington State. He has fantastic length and he's just he's just built to play linebacker at the next level. Perfect, perfect build. I was not that high on him coming into the week. I had him 
as like a, a late day two, early day three prospect. But as I started to see more and more of him and him being put into some more uh, NFL-like situations, I, I've got to admit I'm very high on him now. And I think I might rewatch a, you know, an extra game just to see how my expectations are for him. He was sticky in coverage, which is really promising. And he was very downhill and reactive in uh, you know a lot of these team drills, which is really exciting to see. I think at the very least, he can be a really good rotational linebacker that's going to be a fantastic special teams player just because he's really aggressive and he's got a high motor. One guy that I am just, I'm so perplexed by though, that like I like, but I feel so strange liking him because he's such a weird build is, is uh, Ivan Pace from Cincinnati. He's five foot 10. I think he had like 29 inch arms. He's so stumpy. He's not built to succeed in the NFL at all, but for some reason he still manages to dominate. You know, he, he manages to have really great highlight plays. The weird thing about Ivan Pace is that at Cincinnati, they blitzed him a ton. And you'd think with a guy that small that he would struggle, but his power is really deceiving. And he's like popping guys' chest back. He was unblockable at the Senior Bowl against running backs because of how good he is at rushing the passer. So like that's a major positive. He did make some nice plays. I just think that there are still concerns with the size. Um, he did answer some questions I had in his coverage abilities because did not do a lot of that at Cincinnati, but he had a lot of pass deflections despite having, again, those stumpy arms that don't really benefit him for those situations. Well, you know what they say in the weight room. There is only one word that starts with S and is synonymous with cheating, and that's short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Maybe uh, Pace will blow up the combine with those short arms just hey, putting up Maybe he's another Chris Borland. He might be a – who knows? He might be a 40-rep guy. I, I'm, I'm purely speculating. But, again, short arms, strong kid. He might he might put up some some crazy numbers. Yeah, man, combine's right around the corner, kind of. So that, that will be a lot of fun. But Joe, before we get out of here, we have to talk about the defensive backs. Let's start with the cornerback position. It seems like this cornerback class as a whole is really deep. A lot of very talented underclassmen. But there were also some guys down at the Senior Bowl who fit the mold of what a lot of teams want in cornerbacks. They're really tall, they're really long, and they're physical. So you can can you talk to us about some of the cornerbacks that were down there and some of them who you think could excel in man coverage under the tutelage of Wink Martindale? Yeah, uh, Julius Brents from Kansas State is just stupidly tall. He's six foot four, super long arms. Um, I, I think that he showed some really nice fluidity because a lot of times those taller corners struggle to transition and struggle in man. But I think that he showed us some good things. Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford was another guy who uh, I thought looked really instinctive, really, really nice in those those one on one drills. I, I think both of those guys just really, really strong, strong weeks. If I were to add a, a safety who I thought had really good coverage skills, especially in man on tight ends, Christopher Smith from Georgia, first two days were great. The third day was a little, little off for him because they were asking him to cover a lot of receivers, uh, but he was so sticky against a, a lot of these tight ends that none of the tight ends could could get any separation on him. And he was making a lot of plays on the football, which is even more promising. Not a very big safety. You know, he's only like five foot ten. Uh, he's got decent length, but very, very nice athlete, very, very quick to react, which I think you know could work really, really well if Martindale wants to add another safety to this group. Yeah, which depending on what happens with Julius Love, 
the Giants might want to add another safety yeah. to their uh, to their group, which also just considering how often they used DB heavy sub packages, adding another safety, not a terrible idea, especially if they could get one at a good value on the third day. And I also definitely agree with the Giants adding another cornerback just because uh, Aaron Robinson and Adore Jackson have both proven to be injury prone by this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you look at what the Giants did this season, a lot of their cornerback production came from Nick McLeod, Fabian Moreau, and players who were not in training camp with the New York Giants. So they likely will add cornerback and defensive back help. But Joe, any parting thoughts on your Senior Bowl experience this week as we get you out of here? Uh, no, I think for the most part, it it is it was an exciting week. A lot of really great players that I think should be on everybody's radar, especially for, you know, New York Giants fans. I'm now excited to get some exposure to the top guys at the combine. You know, I need to see how these, these other top guys that we didn't get to witness at the senior bowl that were underclassmen to see how they're going to shake up against these guys that had really good weeks. It's exciting. I'm just can't wait for the NFL draft. I, I need it to be uh, needed to be sooner. And this is the best time of year. <laughs> Joe, yes. are you going to be at the combine? Uh, I'm trying to, I, I was approved for credentialing just, you know, figuring out if it's logistically makes sense. Are, are you guys going to be traveling for that? Or is anyone from, from big movie going to be there? I will not be Chris. Um, I will not be at least as far as I know right now. Ed might be, he usually likes to try to get there. Right. Uh, we do, we do know Mark Schofield's going to be there. Cause he's always there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mark at the combine, very synonymous with each other, but Joe, Thank you so much for joining us here, Big Blue View Radio. You're quite familiar with it. And everybody, please like and subscribe, rate, comment this podcast, and also head on over to BigBlueView.com. But Joe, before we actually really get you out of here, please promote whatever you need to promote. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. And then my, uh, my podcast, which is the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, which can be found on Believe.com or Believe's YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you check that out because we've got a lot of great uh, NFL draft coverage that's going to be coming up. Joe, thank you so much. Chris, talk to you later. Everybody, thanks for listening. Take care. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.